thought that was incredible. So they win the gold medal match, and they get together, and it's all over Twitter and uh, Instagram and all of that. And it's just incredible that a, that a team like that from Fiji and, and, they, and they sing this song. Come to find out, they act, that's their team hymn. That's the song that they sing and have sung for a, a long time. Um, and they sing it before and they sing it after each match. No matter what, win or lose. That's what they sing. And so Jerry Tuai, which I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that last name or not right, but that's the team captain. He says, we always start with our prayers and songs, and we always end with our prayers and songs. And that song says that our God is a loving God, and while we always tend to go astray from what he expects from us, he still loves us and gives us good things. I thought, I thought it was fantastic. A, 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 a group of, of men at the height of their athletic competition um, would then choose to celebrate and praise God for that. And then, not only, not only because they won, win or lose, they were singing that song, We Have Overcome, which I thought is fantastic. As you know, these Olympic athletes, we only see them a short amount of time. How many of you watched any of rugby over the Olympics? Nobody. Okay, there we go, one. Good job, Kevin. <laughs> and so, uh, you, you, you haven't watched a little bit, but you did see that. You did see the worship of the Lord. So we, we don't see hardly any of the practice, any of the hours and days and weeks and months and years of preparing for this athletic competition. We don't see the setbacks or, or the injuries or the times that they have lost on the way to getting to the Olympics. We don't see all of that stuff. All we see is the celebration of winning the gold medal. And so you don't see uh, all of that stuff beforehand. But I was glad to see that they were able to, to uh, stand up like that and to sing that song to the Lord, which I thought was just fantastic. And that it points a little bit to what we're talking about here today with Joseph, that the circumstances may not be and sometimes may not be what we like it to be. We're going to go through this life, and if we are faithful to God... He has a reward for us. Now, that doesn't mean that we're all going to get gold medals at some point. That's not what I'm saying. Um, in fact, by the end of this, you'll realize I'm, I'm saying the exact opposite, okay? That sometimes, our, our, and by sometimes, a lot of times, our circumstances do not, um, we, we don't think that because of our circumstances that we're like, God, where are you? You know, I thought that, you know, this is what you wanted me to do. Joseph was certainly asking himself possibly that uh, while he was going through this, and so we look to see what God has for us. So we've been talking about this. God has a dream for his people to be faithful to him alone, to receive a future reward with him. And that's what we're talking about here today, to receive a future reward with him. God gave Joseph a dream, just as he gives God's people, big picture, a dream uh, to follow the promise. And that's the, been the cycle of, of humanity. We break the promise, God restores the promise back to us. So, but if we are faithful to him, we will receive a future reward with him. That's what we're talking about here today. So where we left Joseph off, he is in prison, and he's in, he's in, uh, uh, in this jail cell for a reason that he, didn't, he shouldn't be there. He was thrown in um, uh, because he was accused of something he did not do, and then he was left in there, forgotten by his friend that he had helped out, and so he's gone through 13 years of this, of this life, 
of being rejected and being abused and being forgotten and being put in slavery and being put in prison. 13 years of this life, but he's remained faithful to God. He has remained faithful to God through all of it. And so here we are in Genesis chapter 41, where we're going to end our story. Now, this, the, we have, there's nine more chapters of this here in the Bible. I'm not going to read all nine chapters, okay? But I'm going to read a, a good amount of, uh, of this, of chapter 41, because I want us to see where he takes us. So if you have your Bibles, you're going to turn to Genesis chapter 41. We have it on the screen for you as well. But here's Joseph. He's just gone through 13 years of, of just an awful, horrible time. His circumstances were against him. Two full years later, verse 1 says, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. In his dream, he saw seven fat, healthy cows come up on the river and began grazing in the marsh grass. Then he saw seven more cows come up behind him from the Nile, but these were scrawny and thin. These cows stood beside the fat cows on the riverbank. Then the scrawny, thin cows ate the seven healthy fat cows. At this point in the dream, Pharaoh woke up. That sounds like a pretty bad dream. Anybody have any weird dreams like that? Chased by a crayon monster or something? Okay. Verse 5, but he fell asleep again and had a second dream. This time he saw seven heads of grain, plump and beautiful, growing on a single stalk. Then seven more heads of grain appeared, but these were shriveled and withered by the east wind. And these thin heads swallowed up the seven plump, well-formed heads. Then Pharaoh woke up again and realized it was a dream. Verse 8. The next morning, Pharaoh was very disturbed by the dreams. So he called for all the magicians, wise men of Egypt. When Pharaoh told them his dreams, not one of them could tell him what they meant. Finally, the king's chief cupbearer spoke up. Today I have been reminded of my failure, he told Pharaoh. Some time ago, you imprisoned us in the palace of the captain of the guard. One night, the chief baker and I each had a dream, and each dream had its own meeting. There was a young Hebrew man with us in the prison who was a slave of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he told us what each of our dreams meant. And everything happened just as he had predicted. I was restored to my position as cupbearer, and the chief baker was executed and impaled on a pole. So you see what's going on here. Pharaoh had a dream, and he doesn't know what his dreams mean. But he's, he feels like this is, something's coming. Like these, these weren't just random dreams, but, but something is actually coming here, and I don't know what's going on. So he calls all of his people together, and he says, hey, what, what's going on here? And then the chief cupbearer remembers, oh yeah, there was that one guy that helped me get out of prison. Uh, let, me, let me remind Pharaoh. So verse 14, Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. Now just as kind of an aside, I had a, a, a pastor who, who would preach it like this, and I, I loved how he said this, is that before man, we have to look the part. We have to shave, we have to change our clothes. You know, we can't come in like we were just in the prison. We can't come in like we just woke up, got out of bed, right? Uh, when we come before man, it's very important that we look the part, that we dress right. But when we go before God, we come just as we are. There's no sense that we have to fix ourselves before we can go into the presence of God. That's why we go into the presence of God, because we need fixing. 
And we can't fix ourselves. We can't shave ourselves and make ourselves look good. And then, oh, okay, God, here we are. No, no, no. God's the one that does that. God fixes us spiritually, washes us clean. So for Pharaoh, for man, we feel like we have to dress up in the good. For God, he says, come just as you are. I'll do the cleaning. I'll do the fixing. Don't sit here and say, well, you know, let me, let me just, let me stop doing this first. And then I'll go start going to church. If I, you know, once I stop smoking, then I'll go to church. Once I stop doing this, then I'll go to church. No, 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 go to church. Come to the Lord. He will clean you up, okay? Verse 15, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night, and no one here can tell me what it means, but I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. Okay, Joseph is in a, in a foreign country, been a slave, been in jail. He is now standing in front of the, the Pharaoh, the most well-connected, the most influenced person that you can stand in front of. And he is looking at you, he's looking at Joseph, and he says, I hear that you can do this. This is his perfect opportunity, right? To say, yes, finally, look at me. This is something that I can do. This is something that I've been trained to do. This is one of my strengths. This is one of my gifts. Now is the time for Joseph to toot his own horn, okay? And this is what he says. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. Even when he had the chance to build himself up in front of the most influential man in the country, in the area, he still chose to give praise and honor to God. That's what it means to stay faithful to the Lord. That when you could promote yourself, which is what the world tells you to do, to promote yourself... You've got to listen. No one else is going to, you know, no one else is going to write your press release. You need to write your own, okay? Joseph here says, that's beyond. I can't do that. But God can do it. That's staying faithful to God. Even when we have strengths and gifts, who gave you those strengths and gifts? God did. And so we always give honor and praise back to him. So Pharaoh told Joseph his dream. In my dream, well, we've already read the dream. So let's skip down. Verse 25. Joseph responded, both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. The seven healthy cows and the seven healthy heads of grain both represent seven years of prosperity. The seven thin scrawny cows that came up later and the seven thin heads of grain withered by the east wind, they represent seven years of famine. This will happen just as I have described it. For God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do the next seven years will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land of Egypt. But afterward, there will be seven years of famine so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt. Famine, uh, famine will destroy the land. This famine will be so severe that even the memory of the good years will be erased. As for having two similar dreams, it means that these events have been decreed by God and he will soon make them happen. So this is definitely a good news, bad news situation. Good news is we've got seven great years coming. Bad news is we've got seven awful years coming after that. In fact, they're going to be so awful that people are going to forget about the good stuff. Therefore, Pharaoh, Joseph is still talking, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land 
of Egypt. I don't know if he was elbowing Pharaoh at that point, or I don't know what, but then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. Have them gather all the, all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses. Store it away and guard it so there will be food in the cities. That way there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. Something that I want to point out here, th- this is... Joseph did not take like a poli sci course before coming to this, okay? It's not like he has, knows all about political science. It's not like he, he has a bunch of training and a bunch of all of this into here, okay, when a famine comes, here's what you do. No, 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 no. There, there was none of that. He was just in a jail cell for more than two years, okay? None of this happened. This was given to him by God in a moment. He, he didn't have months to go out and research what to do, what have other countries done during a famine, what, uh, you know, he, he didn't have any of that. Let me look on the internet. What am I supposed to do here with, with seven good years of good? And this, he didn't have any of that time at all, okay? What he had was he had God. And so sometimes we are afraid to step out there in faith with God Because sometimes we don't know what to say. We don't know if if someone's going to ask us a tough question and we don't know the answer to. Or or they'll challenge us on maybe something that we've done wrong in our life and we don't know how to. And so it's hard for some of us to put ourselves out there, especially witnessing, because we don't know what to say. But what I'm telling you is if we are faithful to God, and we step out there and we're going to give God all the praise and the glory for it, he will tell you what to say. He is with you there. You don't, it, it helps to have gone to Southwestern like I have, but you don't have to have gone to Southwestern for God to be able to use you and to speak through you to other people. You can amen that if you want to. <laughs> God can use you. God can speak to you and through you. Joseph had a moment to be able to say this. And he said exactly what God wanted him to say. That's why we rely on him. That's why we rely on the Holy Spirit. That's why we rely on God so much more than our training and background and upbringing and whatever else. We rely on God. He tells us what we need to do. He is wisdom. He's not just wise. He is wisdom. So let's go ahead and listen to him and he will give us the words to say. Joseph's suggestions were well-received by Pharaoh and his officials. Yeah, probably so. So Pharaoh asked his officials, Can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh... Wait a minute. Can we find anyone like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Now back in this time, if you were Pharaoh, you were seen as divine. You were seen as a god. But here is Pharaoh divine, looking at him saying, oh, okay, that's divine. <laughs> what just happened right here, that's divine. May you be so faithful to God that even non-Christians can see the Spirit of God working inside of you. That's how faithful to God you are. It should be obvious to other Christians and to the church, whoa, that's who we get to pray. That's who we get to do this. But May you be so faithful to God 
that even non-Christians can see the Spirit of God working inside of you. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand, placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothes, hung a gold chain around his neck. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, Kneel down! Where has he heard this before? Or seen this in a dream before? This is, this is like, what, what, what is one of those, sh- those shows where you make over the house? This is like make over the prisoner, okay? Joseph was there, and I don't know what he was wearing before, but he's, he's got a gold chain around his neck, he's got a signet ring, all of this. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt, and Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. What a complete turnaround. And this story shows us that being faithful to God puts us in a position for a future reward with him. Joseph has run his race to this point. Has run his race, and now he is experiencing the reward that God promised him from the beginning, all the way back when he was 17 years old. Here he is now, 13 years later, 30 years old, and he is reaping the reward that God initially promised to him. Because God, because Joseph was faithful to God. He remained faithful despite his circumstances, despite what was going on. He looked around in the pit and he said, this isn't my dream. And he looked around at, in slavery. This isn't what you have for me, God. And he looked around in the jail cell. This, this isn't right. But he remained faithful. And then when he puts a ring on and everyone starts bowing down to him, he's like, okay, now this looks like what you have for me. There was a reward at the end of our life if we stay faithful to God. There is a reward. So let's see. Let's look. A couple more verses. Chapter 42. So the, the, the seven years of good happens. They, they start collecting all this grain, collecting all this stuff, and they're putting it in the storehouses. And the famine was so widespread that people from other countries were coming to Egypt because I heard, hey, they've got food. Let's go buy some food for them. And this is where Egypt got a lot of their money back in the time because all these other countries were coming and buying food from them. So it didn't take long until Joseph's brothers came because the famine had gone everywhere. So in chapter 42, verse 6, says, since Joseph was governor of all of Egypt and in charge of selling grain to all the people, it was him that his brothers came. When they arrived, they bowed down before him with their faces to the ground. And Joseph recognized them. This is the dream being fulfilled right in front of their eyes. Verse 8, although Joseph recognized his brothers, They didn't recognize him, and he remembered the dreams he had had about them many years before. This is, I mean, this is, what a moment for Joseph. 
to see this finally come to fruition. And seeing that his faithfulness, that him sticking with God, despite the circumstances, he stuck with God for 13 years, and then to see this reward at the end of all of it. This is, this is pointing to us and to a future reward, is it not? That throughout our life, we have bad circumstances, some good days, some bad days, but staying faithful to God, there is a reward at the very end. We'll get to that in just a second. Just to skip over. Verse 45. Now, if you want to read all of the, the whole story goes all the way to chapter 50. And there is a lot that happens there, okay? I encourage you this week, go and read it. There's a lot of things that you can pull out of it, okay? But I just want to read just a couple more verses here in chapter 45, okay? Just to end this story, to end this trilogy of Joseph. Genesis chapter 45, verse 1 says, Joseph could stand it no longer. So what had happened was, is that he brought his brothers into his house and they were eating dinner. So you had the Hebrews over here, they were eating, and the Egyptians were eating over here because the Egyptians thought it was despicable to eat with other people. There's something else in there as well, but anyway. So you got two tables in this big room, okay? And so they're all eating, and Joseph's eating over here with the Egyptians. And so Joseph could not stand it any longer. There were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants, Out, all of you. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept. He wept so loudly the Egyptians could hear him, and word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Now, I would like to have been a fly on the wall. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like there's a few of those in the Bible where you would have just liked to have seen it. For me, this is a fly on the wall moment. I would have loved to have been there just to see the look on their face when he says, I am Joseph. And they said, I'm, excuse me, I'm sorry. You said, what now? <laughs> Say that again, I'm sorry. He says, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. What had been going on in their life for the last 13 years? How many times had they thought about Joseph in the last 13 years? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But for you to treat your brother that way, what were you thinking for 13 years? And now here he is, Joseph. Verse 4, please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer, and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset, and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. Listen to this. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that he had ravaged the land for two years will last five more years and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. This is... <laughs> such a heavy time... For Joseph to say, all of these things happen for a reason. And there are many of us that look back on our life and go, oh yeah, that's why that happened. That's why, so that this and this and this and this. And this is Joseph saying, 
don't be too hard on yourself. You didn't send me here, okay? You, as another person, have no dominion over my life. Me and God, God does. God determines where I go. And so here is Joseph saying, God is the one that set me up, and there was a purpose behind it. Not so that just I could be saved, but so that you who don't deserve salvation will be saved as well. You could look at Joseph's life and go, okay, he he deserves a little something here at the end, okay? But his brothers, they don't deserve it. (laughs) But they get it anyway. Which points to Jesus as Joseph suffered in his life so that God could use him to bring salvation to many, it points to Jesus who suffered and died on a cross for us so that we who do not deserve salvation receive salvation. We do not deserve it. But yet, God freely grants it to us for those who remain faithful to him. And that's why we stick with it. That's why through the circumstances, that's why no matter what is going on in our life, okay, God did not save us so that, he could, so that we could have an easy life. He saved us to have relationship with him and especially a future reward living with him one day in heaven. God did not save us so we could get a, a new car. Let me say it like that. Okay? God didn't save us so that we could vacation to Hawaii. Okay? That, that's fine if you do. That's fine if you get a new car. That's fine if you vacation to Hawaii. Okay? The blessings of the Lord come to everybody in different ways, at different parts in our life. Absolutely. But I'm talking salvation, like his suffering and dying on the cross, is not so that we can have an easy, fun life all the time. And every single time that something goes bad in our life, that God is rejecting us, or God is hurting us, or God is keeping us from being happy. No, 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 no. I talked about this last week. God could have delivered Joseph at any point. God could have delivered Joseph from the pit, but he never would have made it to the palace. God could have delivered him from Potiphar's house, but he never would have made it to the palace. He could have delivered Joseph from prison, but he wouldn't have made it to where we had, he, got, he had to go. And there are some times... We go through things so that he can get us over here. And because we pray for deliverance and he doesn't deliver, that doesn't mean he's not listening. That doesn't mean he doesn't care. That doesn't mean he doesn't like us or he's going to punish us. It's because we're not done yet. We're not done. And sometimes it's 13 years. Sometimes it's three months. But God's moving us because it's not about us having an easy life right now. It's about getting us to a future reward with him in heaven one day. That's that's what we're looking to. So do not choose an easy, short-sighted, temporary relief instead of the eternal reward in heaven one day. If Joseph, when, when that ring slipped on his finger, when, when his brothers are bowing before him, he forgot all about those 13 years. Those 13 years at that point went by like that because of the reward that he was getting then. 
And so God sometimes orchestrates tough seasons in our life so that we can learn to be faithful to him to receive an eternal reward, not a temporary relief. It's not about getting a temporary relief. It's about getting an eternal reward. I understand that it's sometimes easier not to come to church, not to give to missions, not to be kind, not to do what is right. It's easy to do that because you can have that relief. It's easy to let sin creep in and not be on your guard. Allow things like anger, gossip, selfishness to rule our lives. It's easy to do those things. It's easier to not fight so hard because we don't like to suffer. We don't like to suffer, do we? And so it's just easier to just kind of give in a little bit so that we can suffer a little less. This is, this is how Paul says it in Romans 8. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. What we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Our sufferings right now, our bad days, our worst days right now are nothing in comparison to our best days in the future to come. And it's not just about getting a temporary relief right now. It's about getting a future reward with him one day. And how can we remain faithful? How can we keep this faith? Our faith in the future is built on God's faithfulness in the past. Our faith for the future reward with him, where is that built on? Where where are those stones laid? When the time that he was faithful here and faithful here and faithful here and here and here and here, that's where we build our faith. And so why do we know that the future reward is coming? Because he's been faithful to us in the past. Has the Lord been faithful to you in the past already? Amen. How many of you believe that he's going to be faithful to you in the future as well? Amen. And that keeping our faithfulness points to what God wants for us in the future. Joseph's story is a small story that points to the big story. It's Jesus' story. It points to Jesus. That the promise that we as humans kept rejecting, kept going back on, God keeps restoring. He keeps restoring. And He keeps giving us another chance. And that's what we get. So yes, from time to time, we will receive blessings here on earth, but that's not where we keep our eyes. We keep our eyes on God and that future eternity of that friendship with Him. That's where we keep our eyes. That's where we keep our eyes. So if you would stand with me this morning, we're going to go into a time of prayer and maybe a time of worship. And what we're going to do is, in just a second, I want you to find a place to pray really, I guess, for, for two reasons. First of all, to say thank you for God's faithfulness in your path, in your past. And maybe you want to remind yourself, you know what, I remember when God was faithful here. And God, I want to say thank you yet again. I, I thank you for when you were faithful here. So one thing we're going to do is we're going to thank God. Thank God for his faithfulness. Another thing that maybe we can pray about is, God, help me to keep my eyes off of temporary relief or temporary small good things that happen in my day and help 
keep me looking forward and higher to you for a future award. And sometimes that's tough. And so say that, God, sometimes that's tough. Sometimes I care a lot about the money in the bank and the da 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 all that kind of stuff. Help me to, to think less earthly and more heavenly in that regard. And you may want to say specific things. God, sometimes I care a little too much about this. So God, help me to move forward. So we're going to go into a, place, a time of prayer and say, find a place to pray, either here at the altars or at your seat is fine. But find a place to pray and say, thank you, God. And then say, God, help me because sometimes I'm not very good at this. Sometimes I'm not very good at looking to the future. I'm too busy looking right here. And let me also just give one other thing right here. I'm going to be off to the, this side, my left, your right, praying. If you're here today and you say, all this is great, I don't even know if, if I would call myself a Christian. So this whole future reward, that's not really in my future right now, but I would like it to be. If you want to give your heart to the Lord, I'm going to be right over here to the side. Please come to me and talk to me, and I will pray for you the salvation prayer so that you can know that you can have that future reward with him. Does that sound good? So let's find a place to pray that's here, that's there. Let's pray, let's worship. I'm over here if you want to come pray with me. Let's take a few moments, and let's not rush into it. Let's not rush. Let's take some time, and let's pray and give thanks to God for that future reward with him.